Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario. In my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith, and I am the alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Turpin family house of horrors. Here's what you need to know. Minutes before sunrise on a chilly January night in 2018, a young girl climbed out of a window in her family's Paris, California home and ran down the quiet neighborhood street, clutching a cell phone. After gaining enough distance from the house, the girl frantically dialed 911, breathlessly telling the dispatcher, I just, I just ran away from home because I was in a family of 15 and we have abusing parents. Did you hear that? Okay, how did they abuse you? Okay, they hit us, they throw us across, they like throw us across the room, they pull our hair, they... They yank out our hair. My two little sisters right now are chained up. Okay, how old are you? I'm 17. What's your name? Golden Turpin. What's your address? David and Louise Turpin met in high school in Virginia and married soon after in 1985 when David was 23 and Louise was 16. Throughout the 90s, Louise gave birth to seven children while David earned a six-figure salary at his highly specialized engineering job in Fort Worth, Texas. The oldest child, Jennifer, began attending Meadow Creek Elementary, but she would be the only sibling to attend public school. David and Louise often gambled their money away, and in 1998, they filed for bankruptcy, and the bank foreclosed on their home. The family moved to Rio Vista, Texas, a town with a population under 800. It was the perfect place to allow abuse to go unnoticed. 
Early on, Louise and David began whipping their children with the leather end of David's belt, before using a wooden paddle or an oar. When they weren't chained to their beds as punishment, the children were fed very little food on a schedule. David and Louise would taunt their kids by leaving pumpkin pies on the counter, but refusing to let the malnourished children eat them. The siblings were forced to sleep all day and stay up at night, typically going to sleep at 4 or 5 a.m. None of them were allowed to shower more than once a year. If they washed their hands above their wrists, they would be chained up as punishment for playing with water. In May 2004, the Turpins purchased a mobile home for their property. By 2006, Louise and David moved their 12 children into the trailer since their house was uninhabitable, and the couple abandoned the 10 oldest children for four years, moving into an apartment 40 miles away. Every few days, David would arrive at the trailer to drop off frozen food. Louise never visited. The two oldest siblings, Joshua and Jennifer, were tasked with locking their siblings in cages should they break their parents' rules. The family moved to California in 2010, first to Marietta, also in Riverside County, and then, in 2014, to Paris, California. All the children were homeschooled by the parents, who had opened Sand Castle Day School, with David listed as the principal. The siblings, some now in their 20s, had been planning an escape for several years, but they firmly believed their parents would kill them if the plan was not successful. Realizing her siblings might die under her parents' increasingly severe abuse, Jordan made her escape plan a reality. On January 14, 2018, the police answered Jordan Turpin's call. She was 17 years old, but she was so frail that they assumed she was only 10. Jordan did her best to describe her situation and that she and her sister had been planning an escape for over two years, although she did not seem to know basic words such as medication or pills. She had a makeshift map of her street drawn on a piece of paper, as well as a photo on the cell phone of one of her siblings chained to their bed, and because of this evidence, the officers could enter the home without a warrant. When police arrived at the house Sunday, they found a house of horrors. The carpets were caked with grime and feces, there were stains on the walls, and one of the siblings was still shackled to their bed. The 13 Turpin children, ranging from ages 2 to 29, and severely malnourished, were removed from the house and the parents, David and Louise Turpin, were promptly arrested. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats David and Louise Turpin were charged with 13 counts of torture, 7 counts of abuse on a dependent adult, 12 counts of false imprisonment, and 6 counts of child abuse. After initially pleading not guilty on February 22, 2019, the Turpin parents each entered guilty pleas on 14 felony counts, including one count of torture. They were both sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole in 25 years. According to Jeff Moore, attorney for Louise Turpin, 10 of the Turpin children have 10-year restraining orders against their parents. Two have five-year restraining orders, and one had the restraining order dropped. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is host of Gee Thanks, Just Bought It, Caroline Moss. Hi. Caroline, can you uh, give our listeners a little uh, recap or a little, uh, you know... Synopsis? I was going to say, I'm trying to think of like, you know, like a hot, hot couple sentences. A sizzle. Hot take. Sizzle. Hot, like hot take. My, my elevator pitch. Yes. My shark tank pitch. Yes. yes. Perfect. 
Uh, of do you think just bought it or or, or anything myself? anything no, you want. what do you want to sell us whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> well let me tell you about this mute button okay so <laughs> do you think just bought it uh was started on black friday 2019 it was sort of a response to looking at amazon reviews or looking at reviews in general and really not knowing if i could trust them just because like i don't know those people who are these people leaving the reviews i wanted to build a community of people who are like not necessarily wire cutter style like i don't care about the best thing i want to know like who you are and what you use this thing for. And then maybe I relate to it and maybe I'll know if that thing will work for me. So mm. every week on Fridays, I invite a guest, usually a friend of mine um, or someone or my husband, honestly, sometimes I rope him into the conversation <laughs> and we talk about like, you know, what we bought that week that we love and where you can get it. And it's not just Amazon related. Um, it can range from clothing to shoes to a washing machine. My only requirement is that the guest comes on the show and is like super excited to evangelize whatever product this is. So it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be aspirational. One of our um, funnest, most listened to episodes, the guest brought a drain plug that helps keep the bathwater higher. Mm. And it's like, you know, that's not the stuff you're looking to like influencers for. You know, this isn't like the barefoot right. dream, yeah. you know, blanket, but like <laughs> it's fun and everyone goes shopping. And especially during the pandemic, I think a lot of people were like only online shopping. That's right. Like what else was there to do? So it's a fun conversation about like, how and where and why we spend our money and what we spend our money on. And it's a fun community. And I've had a great time doing it for the last two years. I'd like I to, love it. I'd like to offer you uh, $50,000 for 15% of your company. <laughs> mm -hmm. How about $6 million for 1%, Chris? <gasps> Um, deal. That's called that's called that's called negotiating. That is yeah. really Thank good you. negotiating. Wow. Great negotiating, Chris, and I can't wait to see where Chris is getting these funds. I can't. Yeah, I can't wait. That'll be fun. I will. You know, I just have I'll to just wire me the money. Yeah, yeah. I'll send the transfer. I have to liquidate some offshore assets, but uh, that's we have fine. A deal. I have time. I have time. Okay. I have time. That's great. That's excellent. Well, while Chris that. is uh, while Chris is liquidating, mm -hmm. um, uh, Caroline, <laughs> we like to start off the show by asking our guest, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night? Mm. That is such a good question, Rebecca. I would have to say what is alarming me, because this all happened last night, as we're mm. recording last night, is um, yeah. Russia's invasion of Ukraine mm. and thus right. starting a war. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yes, to say I am alarmed is probably an understatement. If we want to go in a more, I don't know, fluffy direction, <laughs> I did watch uh, the Tinder swindler um, a few weeks ago on Netflix mm -hmm. and found myself victim blaming. So no. my, my own behavior was alarming me there mm. uh, but but i found that documentary to be like so hand ringy um so we have a you know we have a spectrum of things that are alarming me but it's 2022 like you know name your you know i know it could right. be any it could be anything name yep. your alarm that's right exactly exactly it's good to have exactly. options you know right always right. and fluffy yes. alarms that's too we you know we don't always have the super serious alarms we can have fluff alarms yeah, sure. I'm a victim blamer for Netflix documentaries. <laughs> There's a fluff alarm. There you go. Alarmed. I'll have to take that to therapy. Next week. That's what's happening. That's what's going to happen. Um, definitely um, alarming the the whole situation. I, I don't know when listeners are going to be listening to this, but um, this that's the state we're in well, right now. While we're recording the, this. Right, hopefully by the time the podcast comes out, uh, everything you, is resolved. Yeah, they'll have resolved. <laughs> that's everything. right. Yeah, that it's been going in that direction. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so. and most likely, I guess. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, yeah. His, history shows that's usually how, <laughs> how long it takes. That's good. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, just going to take this opportunity to um, transition us okay. into um, this horrific tragedy. Speaking of, you know, big tragedies um, and you know start discussing you know what happened within this family and how this could have happened i mean i know caroline you watched the 2020 documentary uh mm -hmm. or episode or whatever we want to call it but it, you know it's it's just horrific when you see this body camera and you see the uh the 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 
it's Jordan Turpin who is clearly escaping. You know, she's terrified for her life. She's never spoken to a person in her entire life. As she's talking to the 911 operator, right. she's saying, I, you're the first person I've ever talked to. Oh, it's the first right. time I've been outside. Um, and you can hear it in her, you know, there's a cadence that she has and a way that she pronounces words that it just, you can tell there's like been a lack of exposure interaction socially. Right. Yes. She doesn't know what medication is. She doesn't know pills even. I don't, I don't think she Mm-mm. understood what a pill was. Mm. Um, so she didn't, she didn't know her address. That was really, it was just really haunting to hear that, um, that uh, c- correspondence sort of play out. Right. Yeah. I mean, she, she called 911, but like had no knowledge or, you know, education around like what information you would have to give mm-hmm. to a 911 operator. Like that was so sad. Like just the basic stuff that when you're little, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they drill into your head. This is your address. This is your phone number. Mm-hmm. Like this, these are your parents' names. This mm-hmm. is your, like she couldn't answer any of that. And it was, stressing me out because of course they're kind of on the other line being like, is this a prank? Right. Like is right. this a scam? Is this, you know, and that was like, no, 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 no. It was horrible to watch. It was horrible. And the officer so, kind of took that tack too, where he said, you know, he was, you could tell when he was talking to her, the body cam footage showed him and them talking. And he asked if she took medication, like you guys were saying, and, and clearly you're thinking he thinks she's on drugs. Right. right. And that is just so nerve wracking because if, if she didn't, I guess, have that evidence and we're sort of I don't know how we're how we want to ha- uh, kind of structure this discussion. But uh, that evidence was very key in order for in order to convince him uh, of what she was t- talking about. Right. The thought of like the, having the forethought to take a picture. Yeah. To be able to show him like I may right. I may sound a little crazy. I have some awareness that like I'm this is weird. I may be coming off weird but like here's a picture you can't deny that and to caroline's point you know that she didn't know basic things that we drill into you know kids like your address your pant your uh she was 17 so Mm -hmm. that is another layer of how deep and and uh the level of abuse that they were experiencing in this house so i feel like we should start off by putting the parents up on the board (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Uh, Feels right. What do you think? <laughs> Feels right. Um, David Turpin and Louise Turpin. Um, this is according to a Time article in 2018. According to the National Child Abuse and Neglect Data System, 71.8% of child abuse or neglect cases occurred at the hands of victims' parents in 2015, the most recent year for which numbers are available. In my experience, there's usually a psychopathy psychopathology, sorry, in the parents, says trauma psychologist Priscilla Das Brailsford, an adjunct professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Georgetown University. They're depressed, perhaps, they're bipolar, they're schizophrenic. Some of the parents themselves might have been abused as children, though I say it worriedly because it's not an excuse to abuse your own children. David Finkelhor, a professor of sociology, said... He sees two other diagnostic profiles that might fit the parents, delusional or paranoid states, which can lead to all manner of irritation or abusive behavior. A misguided ideology might be another factor. Parents may tell themselves they're protecting their children from the corruption of an awful society or that children are evil and need to be chastised or brought into line. One additional factor for either or both parents might be a state that Elizabeth Scowron, a professor of counseling psychology, calls extreme threat sensitivity, often seen in highly abusive parents. They view the world through a lens of things that are threatening, that my child is more powerful than me, she says. If I am in complete control, then I can calm down. Mm. So It so. almost feels like a, a lot of these could, be, could have been uh, factors in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's but like plenty yes. of people have, but plenty of like, I mean, right. Like you said, like you read, like plenty of people have had trauma in their lives. Mm-hmm. Sure. The, and plenty of people, of course, act out on that trauma or project that trauma onto others. This level of abuse is escalated mm-hmm. 
beyond comprehension. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can blame the trauma cycle because I feel like not putting that, you know, the parents of the parents or like whatever, you know, abuse they endured Mm -hmm. as children up on the board, we would be like missing like a huge component of how these, how the cycle actually works. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, this is not someone who like, pushes a kid on the playground because mm-hmm. their dad hits them at home. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this like goes like psychological, right? Evil. Right. Yes. Yeah. Let's, I love what you said that let's put the trauma cycle up on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a, a, a major piece. And, and that said, right. L- exactly. Like you were saying, Caroline, 12, you know, 12 of the 13 Turpin children were shackled, right? starved, physically abused by their parents in what authorities called a house of horrors. Prosecutors said some of the children were caged or chained most of the day, forced to subsist on peanut butter sandwiches and burritos, made to sleep up to 20 hours a day and were allowed to shower only once a year. The Turpin children were fed uh, while their parents, they're fed only peanut butter sandwiches while their parents ate regular portions consisting of fast food and frozen meals. Jennifer, who was the oldest uh, of the uh, 13 children was often tasked with preparing meals for her parents, meals she wasn't allowed to eat. Jordan recalls feeling so hungry at times that she resorted to eating leaves, grass or ketchup poured over ice cubes. Jesus, You know, this, this one is so, uh, this one is really, uh, sad and particularly haunting, I think, uh, for a lot of people, uh, myself included, I think because I'm trying to rationalize why. I think it's because when you're a kid, you're just so reliant on mm-hmm. your pa- your parent uh, or right. the parental figure in your life. Uh, you're, there's so much innocence there. You really, literally, you can't look after yourself, so you're just reliant on somebody else and their judgment and their psychosis and their being and their authority too. It's uh-huh. like you just defer to your parents. Right. You would, you know, you don't think to cross your parents yep. until the world gets filtered age. through them. And I just think that that's a very, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know. It's just that, that just allows for this kind of thing to, uh, happen. Um, uh, which is just so sad. I don't know what you'd what you'd call that or how we could sort of uh, alarm alarmist put it up on the board, but uh, maybe like uh, uh, I don't even know. Because what do you call that? It's not like you're you 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 know you're not. It's just like we don't have. I don't know. Okay, so like say for example, in like a commune, there is more than one authority figure, right? Uh, you know, sure. we're we we're broken off into family units. That's the smallest sort of unit of society measurement right so yes. i don't know if what i'm saying is like is that flawed uh, <laughs> just the, the fact just like the people, bad luck you want to put family up on the board mental health the family unit the family unit <laughs> being a know. unit no i mean i get it it's, but it's like it's like so far like i mean i can only sit repeat what i said like so far beyond beyond comprehension right. i'm also just thinking about how I know that, you know, the, Jennifer at one point had gone to public school. Like she was the only uh-huh. one mm-hmm. that they said had attended public school. And then the rest of their kids, they pulled from this. Like they didn't, these kids didn't even exist. Like yeah. people didn't even know they, yes. I don't know. Like, were they born in hospitals? Like, were they mm-hmm. born at home? Like do these kids, are there records of their existence? I mean, there it's such, I mean, yeah, like the system, you know, cause mm-hmm. ideally, this shouldn't you shouldn't be able to birth mm-hmm. upwards of a dozen children and 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 be able to it's almost like it's like a sick game mm-hmm. like yeah. it's it, it like it like reaches beyond i think like even the textbook definition of like parental abuse you know like right. like mm-hmm. i they wouldn't let them shower more than once a year and they would get in trouble if they washed their hands above their wrists yeah. like they would leave food out on the counter that they couldn't that the kids couldn't eat but they could smell and they could see like it's just it's like sick and the level of abuse that uh jennifer the oldest endured it, not only was it 29 years i mean that is a long time to live with that kind of psychological, physical, everything kind of abuse. Um, But how they put her in a position where she then had to abuse her younger children, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, where she was the one who 
was ordered to lock them up in cages when they abandoned uh, them uh, when they were living in a trailer Mm -hmm. and would only show up once a week to to leave food. I mean, that is also like another level of like wanting. It it was like they wanted to create that cycle of trauma. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, For sure. So I have two thoughts. I just talking about the way that they were treating these kids. And even then Rebecca to your latest point, making the oldest daughter treat her siblings that way to me, kind of like rings the bell of like extreme control issues, like Mm. them having to like really kind of micromanage. And again, it's like so deeply, there's so many like psychological stuff, but it seems to be, there's a lot of like, they control every little ounce of their existence Mm -hmm. and even the way they're treating each other. And another thing I wanted to bring up to what, Caroline was saying, which when I was watching the 2020 episode, I was thinking the whole time, like, how, why is there no one in the Mm -hmm. public school system checking in on this? Like, you know, if how it it should be required that if you're going to go homeschool your kids, you got to like show up. Yes. Some kind of public, public function every so often to be like, here's my kids. They're still alive. I'm still teaching them and give people from the outside a chance to, I mean, I don't know if that'll solve it because they did go out sometimes and they like showered them for the occasion but right. it just like there's got to be a system of checks and balances since well the system is like extreme there are there is in in theory like a system right that exists in in this country and of course like all of our other major systems it's like it's either broken or right. it's like designed not to work yeah um, <laughs> i don't know if any of you are like law and order svu fans but there was a yes. really we dabble. great episode okay we dabble good 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 i'm 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 a scholar. <laughs> PhD. Uh, PhD. But there was an episode um, and Whoopi Goldberg was the guest star. And you know, when someone that big is the guest star, like they're the murderer, like you just know it. <laughs> and um, but she she was in charge. She was a social worker and she was like in charge of other social workers. And the crime was that essentially a child who was on the list of, you know, children who needed to be checked on um, at certain times. Uh had had died and and the um because of neglect and and the entire episode was like you know who do we blame like literally the entire episode right. was an episode of the <laughs> um we should watch it and, yeah it's really good and uh you know what they focus on is that like there are so many levels mm. of of uh you know neglect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm to make a child and it happens more than you think, but it was like, you know, the system is like, we give one social worker 95 children. Right. 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 And we hold this person to an impossible standard of like, why don't we have more social workers? Why don't we have a system to relieve that? You know what I mean? And so this guy in the, in the episode was like, you know, forging his paperwork because he needed to keep his job and right, it's like right, no one right. is right but also no one is wrong and it's and there and the problems go up and up and up and up two um, things off of what you're saying right. i think we should put a system made to fail up on the board mm-hmm. and i also since we're on the topic th- should think we should do a uh, homeschooling homeschooling regulation uh, put that up on the board um, and this yeah. is according to CNN, David Turp- David Turpin listed himself as administrator and principal of a private school operated out of his home. He gave it an inviting name, Sandcastle Day School. The engineer started the school by simply filling out a Department of Education affidavit stating that his children were attending full time. Nothing more was re- required in California, and the state has no authority to monitor or inspect the school. NBC said no state agency regulates or oversees private schools in California, private schools. The California Department of Education said in a statement this week that it is sickened by this tragedy, but the department does not approve, monitor, inspect, or oversee private schools, but would gladly work to change the laws. Private schools are subject to an annual inspection by the state or local fire marshal, but the Turpins never alerted Paris city officials they were operating one at their home. Fire Marshal Dave Martinez said... It's a homeschool, so it's not licensed, he said. If it was a licensed facility, it would trigger our inspections. Scott Rourke, a spokesman for California Department of Education. So, like, people are all, like, kind of, Loopholes. like... Loopholes. Little- yeah, yeah and, and defending themselves, essentially. They're like, well, uh, there wasn't a license, so as a fire marshal, I, wasn't, I didn't have to go check in, which... 
fair, but yeah, I mean, fire marshals don't they don't they don't just go into homes. So that, no. that makes sense to me. But I think what Clayton is saying, and I think maybe what we can put up on the board is gaps in the system. Mm. This to yes. me is a is a gap, you know, right where you can. Or a loophole, Clayton put. Yeah. It uh-huh. just seems like it's impossible to disappear in our world today, right? Like they track everything. You well, cannot disappear right. in the world. But how did 13 kids just essentially disappear for 29 right. well, for 29 years? And I would, I, I think also because the school, okay, so he's got this fake school set up and the one, the oldest went to school for three years. So I don't know how much we can blame the, sc- the actual school system, but I think that there's blame to be shed on community members right so let's say neighbors or yeah i don't know how to put this exactly yeah, I, but- I i have neighbors as uh something we can put Definitely. up on the board um but i i do want to just keep ta- for one second continue on here and say you know this is according to cnn rachel coleman executive director of the massachusetts bates coalition for responsible home education said the coalition was recommended has recommended that states require homeschooled children to meet with mandatory reporters such as mm. doctors and certified teachers the nonprofit has also advocated advocated routine checks for criminal records and cases involving child protective services the organization has cataloged nearly 400 cases most since 2000 involving involving severe to fatal abuse of what it calls homeschooling in homeschooling's invisible children. There are kids out there right now, I guarantee you, who are currently chained to their beds, she said. I can say that because these cases keep coming up. Mm. You know, I think going to what Caroline was saying earlier about the episode where it just feels like this is a problem with like lack of uh, funding for education, right? Like it seems great to have a mandatory, a mandatory reporter or a doctor meeting these kids, but then it's like, well, do we have enough of those and how do we fund that? Like there should just be money thrown into all sorts of education from the ground up. Well, I just want to say, because it's also happening in the news right now, the flip side of that is, you know, what's happening in Texas, which is that Greg Abbott wants people, you know, citizens arrest to report any trans people, any trans mm-hmm, kids they see. Mm-hmm. And he wants to sick child protective services on trans kids and parents of trans kids for, you know, because he believes that is a form allowing your child to, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, present as whatever gender they want to present as, as a form of child abuse. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there is a really thin line of like, how much power do we want an already corrupt government to have mm. over over right. individuals. And then there's also the problem on the other end of the spectrum of rugged individualism in America, which is that like no one wants to take care of each other. Like it's a mm-hmm. really, really, really thin line. And then the privilege also of the Turpin family being ha- all the Turpin children being white and right. and what would have happened if a 14 year old, you know, black teenager escaped right. and, and pulled, you know, and did that whole nine. What oh would have happened God. there? Like, there's just so much there that like every way you turn to try to find a moment where this scenario could have been prevented, mm-hmm. you're met with, you know, I, you know, I agree. Like for a case like this, if there are kids out there living like this, yeah, I want more interception, but I also don't trust the people intercepting Mm -hmm. because like, so I I don't know. It's, it's really difficult to say Mm -hmm. like it, it's, it really, it's almost like you, you have to hope that you get lucky with a parent that doesn't abuse you with white skin, with, you know, Mm. a rich family or else Mm -hmm. you're like really screwed. Yeah. And I think to Chris, maybe this was the, I think this might have been the point you were going to make earlier, but uh, community, mm. right? How how that that like sense of responsibility towards our own community, community and 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 protecting one another and caring for one another, making sure everyone is okay. Mm. It's like I know it, it sounds like I'm trying to talk about a utopia, right? <laughs> but yeah. but I still think even uh, with its problems yes. and uh, it, it, we can get closer to something where we 
see these red flags and see these alarms. Yeah. Well, to Caroline's point, you know, even that can get um, cloudy because I guess what you're talking about is like a community, but that community, the implication is that they have a sort of consistent moral code, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. where you go off is... Well, well, this country was founded on the principles of freedom, right? Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, et cetera. And so we we say to people boldly in our first, you know, uh, in our whatever first amendment or whatever, we're basically saying, you can think whatever you want. And so when we go there, you know, it opens up for people to believe any number of things or be confused by any number of changes or events that they see in society and and so that what they think might be protecting uh, a fellow community member is actually impinging on their rights or their beliefs or like if they like Caroline was saying if if a if a person feels that they were born in the wrong body mm. you know somebody can come up and say well that goes against you know god or whatever and and they can sort of use that uh, you know that sort of community uh, outreach as an overreach and right. to, to say, you know, uh, no, you don't believe that this is child abuse by your parents. So it's right. I mean, there was the, the tip line, you know, for like, who's getting an abortion like right. late in, in 2021. It's like, if you call some, call this phone number, if you believe that, you know, someone who got an abortion wow. or who performed an abortion, I mean, and there are also kids, you know, it's like, it, it's exactly right. Chris, which is like, in order for the community thing to really help, because I actually believe it would hurt more than help because I think we've seen it hurt more than right. help. It's like we would all need to have a baseline belief system. Mm. And it's like right. what might be a red flag to someone. It's like I, I know a problem with with child protective services because they have friends who do like fostering and so they are very much like in touch with the system because the system has to come and check on them. like they are always so terrified mm. if they're if their foster child is you know throwing a tantrum like any other child right, right. um because k- kids are kids right. right but but you know that that could be a red flag to someone right. like people get reported for i don't know like like food policing is such a mm-hmm. thing right now it's like if a child is seeing oh what was that i i heard it on maintenance pod but, and there was a family in in the uk who essentially uh, kids were taken away from um I'll, I'll have to send the article so i can i know i can get this right but like they were taken away from their parents essentially because the the, the children were considered fat and mm. it was like oh the parents are like abusing them by like not keeping them healthy mm, which is right. like there's so many things wrong with that right and like they're right. like by all other accounts these kids are like wonderful and happy and like well adjusted but like their parents are not making them their parents are like ruining them because they're getting fed you know quote unquote junk food so it's like okay like i would like to think that if i lived next door to the turpin family you know would i have sensed something was right, wrong right. but by all accounts didn't a neighbor on the 2020 thing say like there was no movement in the house during right. the day mm-hmm. and it turned out that they had kept the kids sort of like asleep all day right. and awake all At night, night so yeah. it was like this was like a calculated effort yeah. right. to make sure no one knew what was going on right. and it's like it Maybe, my, yeah, go on, Clayton. But I just want to put it up lack of a moral code, mm, uh, sure. lack of a moral base code, <laughs> ba- something you're, like that. You're saying societies, just like lack. We, something we like can all agree on. <laughs> just well, one that's thing. what I was going to say. Yeah. Is I'm listening to all of this, and it's like my instinct is to be like, okay, well, we just need as individuals more engagement. Like we do need to lean into our communities and make sure that we're taking care of each other and looking out. But to Caroline's point, it's like you don't know what that 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 means. In my eyes, the, the bad actors might feel the same way. Like, right, I need to be more engaged in my community too, and make sure that I am policing people's gender or sexuality or whatever it is. It's kind of like this weird dystopian like kafka s 1984 moment where you're like what is you know war is peace kind of situation <laughs> it's like how do you 
this is going to happen, right? It's all, this is going to continue to happen yeah. because I, people are inherently bad. I think I feel like we could, oh, go ahead. No, Rebecca. no. I, I was just going to say it comes, it feels like it comes from fear, but um, and, and like, because if we knew each other a little bit better and understood each other a little bit better, perhaps, you know, we would be more kind and understanding. Um, uh, and and that fear is just like oh this this is different than me I don't understand it I don't like it that's wrong, um, mm. but go well, on. What Carolyn. if we put what if we put rugged individualism up on the board sure. because that's the idea of like I stay in my lane. Yes, you know I like, like that. If this isn't you know this isn't happening to me I'm not going to stick my nose into someone else's business because honestly like my reaction to like you know abortion tip lines and like spending you know child protective services on trans kids is like F off. Um, so right. I would say that that would, that my mentality on that contributes to a problem and that like, because I hate so much about what we do report that mm. I am not really comfortable reporting anything for fear mm. of being wrong. Interesting. Um, and for fear of maybe getting someone in trouble who doesn't deserve it. Uh, so I think that because that's what's been instilled in me. So it's like, I think up on the board could be this idea of we all just sort of like keep to ourselves. Like we're head down, mm -hmm. you know, the American we don't way. want anyone to get in our way. Yeah, exactly. We don't get in anyone else's way. No one should get in our way. Like you live, you do you, I do me all good. And I think that is, that's a problem. I also think we got to put up Clayton's <laughs> Clayton finished his point by saying, Man is inherently evil. <laughs> I mean, no, that's bad. good. Yeah. We are struggling every day to murder each other, right? Like, I just feel like we have evolved and made things very comfortable for ourselves so that we can all kind of be copacetic together. But I just feel like it only takes one little thing to go wrong. You see people killing each other over a parking space in a grocery store. Like, that's that's in us. That's human. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're... Uh, uh, one guy over in Russia decided he wanted to uh, wage a war against uh, a country and just like started bombing the hell out I of do it. Feel, so I do feel like the Russian invasion in, invasion into Ukraine is sort of a cloud, not a cloud. It's just very present in this podcast. Yeah, I do think this is yeah. I feel <laughs> that kind of energy of just True. concern. Um, yeah. yeah, which I feel very. I'm very concerned. Yeah. I mean, it's legitimately concerning. I think. Um, I know that time is running out. So before it does, I want to put up the Bible uh, because it is an yeah, aspect organized religion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for so, sure. I, in an interview for people magazine, um, the women shared that their father used belts, sticks, dog kennels, and homemade cages as tools for punishment. In addition to chaining children to their beds and pulling on their hair when they misbehaved, they literally used the Bible to explain their behavior to us. Jennifer said they love to point out things in De uh, Deuteronomy mm -hmm. saying that, we have the right to do this to you, that they even had the right to kill us if we didn't listen. So it it looked, it, I know that they were, um, I believe they were uh, Pentecostal, mm -hmm. right? Um, but just the use of the Bible as an excuse to um, uh, just say that what they're doing is right and to convince the kids that they deserved it essentially because as a kid, you know, you when you grow mm -hmm. up religious, you just, the Bible, if someone says, oh, it's in the Bible, well, you just believe it, right? You know, I yeah. I, I want to put this in there because um, I, I think people use the Bible a lot to justify like really hateful things. Yeah. And just to make a clarification, because I feel like there are some people who are super religious and they use it for really wonderful oh my God, purposes. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's not what you're saying, but, but my friend, I have a friend who likes to distinguish between... Um, you know, like Christians, for example, are what he calls garbage Christianity, which is the Christians, quote unquote, who are picking and choosing the most random things or not even like they just like probably heard it from somebody else. And so they're saying the Bible says X. So I therefore I get to do Y. Right. It's just not rooted in anything spiritual. Yes. Right. So it's like, you know, this idea that um, I have I can point to this Bible, which is like the ultimate moral code. Right. And I am exon you know, exonerated in all of my actions and thoughts. Well, like this is, anyone could do that. that that's that, such a cop out. That's yeah. that's right. religious uh that's called religious extremism, I think, is what that is, isn't it? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, it's like you know the also the majority religion in in our country is mm-hmm. so it becomes relative. But like, yeah, there's, I mean, everything and everything also can be everything that like is so hateful and so uh, polarizing. I think a lot of people always fall back on like, well, it's my religion. I mean, we saw that in the pandemic too. Right. Like, I can't get the vaccine. Like God said, I couldn't do it. And it's like, well, how are like, and because of our, our immense like freedom of religion in this country, it's like, how can you tell somebody like, yeah. oh, well, you maybe, know, but like, maybe, it's like, you're really, your God didn't say you can't get the vaccine. So, <laughs> maybe, maybe to put a, maybe that. to put a finer point on it, maybe it's, um, a religion as a justification. Yeah. Like it's using religions to justify mm-hmm. evil things. <laughs> I mean, I think those are yeah. two, di- but let's distinguish those on the b- blame board, Clay. Maybe it's the Bible is one, right? Maybe we just go after it, the big guy, see if we can take it. Sure. Down. And then another one is religious justification for immoral behavior. Mm-hmm. That feels right. Uh, Cause again, I, I, there's also like something about it. That's like when you take something, when you take an excerpt versus when you look at the whole picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> because that's not picking. what the Bible cherry, is saying. Cherry, cherry picking religious mm-hmm. mandate. Uh, uh-huh. right. Um, so I, I, do we have anything else we want to throw up before we start knocking things off? We got the parents up there, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the board. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab grown diamond bands, all hand finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, who's to blame for the Turpin family house of horrors? David and Louise Turpin, the trauma cycle, a system made to fail, homeschool regulation, loopholes in the system, education and public safety, neighbors, community or lack thereof, lack of moral code, rugged individualism, the Bible, or religious justification for immoral behavior. What a list. Mm. That's a heavy list. <laughs> heavy. This is a happy episode. Happy, yeah. Happy I, episode. I, like usually we at least have one that you're like, all right, well, we didn't really want to put that one up on the board. Just to get things started, I think, and Caroline was alluding this to this earlier, I think that we can take off neighbors and community right now just because we, A, don't know, don't have enough evidence that they, they saw something that could have been you know, set off an alarm or whatever. Yeah. But also, B, you know, if I were in that, like, I, you know, respect my neighbor's privacy. And if I were in their position, I'm not sure I would have 
noticed anything or maybe you do but then you sort of i don't, I don't know. know you, you well, need harder you do, evidence you call, there's not well, like you're not right also, to blame the systems in place are also like not actually meant to help so if you were to call if you had like a legitimate concern about something happening like like there is a reason why a lot of people in this country like do not feel comfortable calling 911 because right. like, historically it's like people don't show up to actually help you mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and so i think I think you can get rid of the neighbors and community because it's like that is a a, a symptom of like a much larger problem, which mm. is that we don't have resources or um, infrastructure in place to actually deal with the problems that we're seeing. We literally just call cops to deal with everything. Mm-hmm. It's like right. there was actually like services we could call um, if there were actually like trained professionals that we could call. Uh, that would be different. But I think right now it's like you see something that like is a little off-putting, you would just have to jump to, like, call the cops. Right. And then the cops show up. Yeah, um, if only we, like, knew uh, other things, other numbers to call the 911, like 2424, like when you see, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I don't know, something that it might involve a child or, you know. I think that's child services. There is a number for that. Is there? Yeah. But, that, but that's <laughs> But we but don't know it. Cops. Yeah. It's right. still, is it? It's still, yeah, it's still, it is still, uh, a, like a, a, a wellness like check a, yeah it, it's still like a wow. wellness check that's like that's like you know if you, if you are black if you're a person of color if you are uh poor you are you're reported into a system i mean it's just like you know i think what people were advocating for is like what about you know a robust well financially supported like you know mental health yeah. service who I, I, I you know you hear all these things like uh people getting shot like mentally unwell people being like shot by cops because someone called and was like, Hey, my neighbor like seems to be like having a crisis, Acting weird, yeah. <laughs> having a crisis, like in the front yard or like, you know, and then all of a sudden you're reading headlines. That's like, uh, you know, autistic man, right. Shot by police because someone called the, co- it's like, I don't want to be the person to call nine one one. Like who, how do we get this person this help? And I mean, child services is essentially like just cops. It really yeah. is. I think, I think they do more harm than good. Mm. And so it, I wish, I wish we had like a better, we need like, I think the ideal that we're all imagining exists, but right. it just doesn't. <laughs> Even in the episode too, the 2020 episode, there's such a high bar for the police officers to show up and have to actually take action. You know, like remember how the parents were kind of weirdly hiding that door off to the side where the one kid was chained up and they walked through the back of the house for a while before they. Yeah. They had to find the kid in chains in order. Yeah, and it's like to have right. a reason. Wasn't until they, they to found that. Away. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's and it's like rough. there's a world in which they miss that bedroom, and they're like, okay, well, these kids are living in filth, but like, right. there's only so much we can do, you know. And if they don't have a warrant, they're like, hey, are any kids chained up here? And the parents right. are like, nope. No. And they're like, okay, thanks. Yeah. And so, you've and he, they've literally done their job. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like that's the right. craziest part. I feel like we can fold homeschool regulation into loopholes in the system. Okay. Yeah. And a system made to fail. uh, Yeah. I feel like a system made to fail could be like the big overarching umbrella. Yes, exactly. Of those two. Uh Uh-huh. So loopholes is also folded into a system made to fail? I think so. Okay. And I think instead of the Bible, because we're not anti-religion here, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, we're... mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, again, the, the, the overarching message of the Bible is not to, uh, it's love. It's love. Exactly. It's not to abuse your children. Right. So it's, it's the religious justification of for immoral behavior that we're really after here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the trauma cycle, uh, is, uh, maybe an explanation explanation of why these things happen, but I don't think you can blame that's like victim blaming, right? right? We can't, we can't blame the, the trauma cycle. Yeah. I, you know, and I, honestly that folds into the parents, the parents. And so, and honestly, so does religious justification for a moral that's behavior. Because that was like, just a technique. Their, that yeah, was a that's tactic. their whole thing. Yeah. Now we're left with, so you actually, you yeah. actually have like three good sort of columns here. You have the right. parents, you have the system and you have the people. Like the us, the rugged Mm -hmm. individualism, the the lack of a moral code. Maybe we fold a lack of a moral code into rugged individualism. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, because we're not we don't we are not told to have like a community minded focus on anything. It's like we believe what we want to believe. We do what we want to do. It's all good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. OK, so off of these three, I mean, I'm going to blame the parents. I have to. <laughs> I yes. think I think you do for this one. I, I have a suggestion. OK, here's where uh, what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be hard for me to a blame rugged individualism or just living in a liberal society only because, well, it's where I don't know. It just seems a little broad. And the system to me, the only problem with that was that it was it was the system. I mean, and if we're talking about a system, we're talking about protective services like the police and like community. And it was that that sort of got them out of this trouble right and, and in this you, you case, to, it didn't fail well it did fail for a long time it, it mm-hmm. there was an but. absence but then but yeah but but when they intervened uh and credit to that cop for having a for intervening in the way he did yes. um and the system you know it worked so to me it, it just comes it, it i know i know we're talking about degrees here because this it was a long time where there was this gap in, right. in and so th- these parents were allowed to abuse and was it just luck so that it worked in the end maybe um but but anyway I, to me also the, the it's so insidious insidious that the, mm-hmm. that you know it was two people collaborating like mm. the parents right. collaborating it wasn't just the psychosis of one individual it was two people collaborating in this horrific uh, uh, torture yeah. scenario that it, it's almost like I want to put them in jail and slap them too. <laughs> to I have a question. I have a factual question. Okay. Like for me to get to my answer, okay. which is were either David or Louise Turpin ever arrested or looked at by the police and ultimately let go back to their I do not know the exact answer. I have not seen it in the research. I have not seen that they had any priors. Okay. Run in, uh, yeah, yeah. Any run ins with the law. Okay. So if they literally were like totally off the grid and they had never. No record of once, any kind. No record, then I have to blame them. I mean, I do blame them. Of yeah. course, mm-hmm. but I would, I would, I would have an easier time blaming the system. I think, yeah, I think, you know, Chris, I get it. Like the system can work for some people. We know who it doesn't work for. It's hard to say that this is a thing that works when we know who it doesn't work for, but it's like, I would have a harder time blaming just the parents. If we found out that like these two were like, on someone's like list right and, like oh right. they knew something was going on but they just couldn't really do anything about it like this seems to be i mean the reason why i think this is such a huge story is like this is so unconscionable it's like so unheard and it was like of. in our backyards right it's happening in california this liberal state yeah, exactly you know? and it was like just in a nice suburban yeah, yeah exactly in blue california yeah. and i think these this is just like too sick I don't know if you can curse on the show, yeah. but <laughs> we fucks. do. Yeah. Um, we yeah. Just two sick time. fucks. I, there's no one else to blame. Like talk about rugged individualism. Like these two are the, they did it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this, it's gross. I do like the idea of, uh, giving a big slap to rugged individualism or like the, I mean, there's, well, the, just be, because for what it that promotes, stands for. Yeah. It the, like, promotes the, the idea that you can, you don't need community. To me, it's like, you know, we could, yes, yeah, so everyone is an individual and you should embrace our individual unique qualities, but to like take it that extra step and to be like, it's like my way or the highway, no matter, or like, like no critical thinking involved. It's right. just like whatever stubborn ideas are in your head, that's the law of your land, like just seems so uncooperative. We live in community. You, I, we don't exist alone. We I, don't live planet by ourselves. I, I agree. Right. I agree with that. But to me, that is better um uh, that uh religious justification for more immoral behavior explains what what that is more more mm. than rugged individualism 
I mean, to me, that that what Clayton's talking about is like any idea that can come into your head. Well, that's immoral behavior. And what they said is, we well, because we follow this religion, we're allowed to employ. The only reason I push back on that is I feel like there is rugged individualism without religion. I don't think everyone is using the Bible to justify their hateful the bad things. Stuff. Some, pe- yeah, well, some no, people are the, just bad. But, and they, but in this, in the case of this tragedy, sure. that's exactly what happened. Well, we're in a pickle, guys. And <laughs> we're, we're going to have to make a decision. And sometimes you make a call and it's not, it might not be the right call. And that's why we continue to think and uh, just that's true, <laughs> check on where our you, decisions. Where are you coming down? <laughs> Um, I think that I'm definitely sending the parents to jail and my instinct is to, instead of, you know, the system, uh, my instinct is more to slap rugged individualism, not, and I take your point, Chris, uh, because, uh, I understand where you're coming from, but I also feel like that concept that, that you can, that we can just do this on our own is, it's it's promoting something that's not real. I don't think we can all survive on our own without community. That if 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 that was the case, then there would communities wouldn't be so popular. Let me <laughs> I mean, say it this way too: with uh, with regards to rugged individual I, individualism, I feel like I guess I feel like the reason religion can fold into that is because re- the Bible or your your religious beliefs is a tool that you can use to justify your rugged individualism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus could- I'm not going to use my religious beliefs to like justify my rugged. In- I mean, does that make sense? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people think also like rugged individualism is like, this idea of, I, I, we heard a lot about it in the beginning of the pandemic. Like, you know, if, Hey, if you don't want to go out and you don't want to catch COVID, don't go out. You can mm-hmm. just stay home and not catch COVID, but I want to go to the bar. So I'm going to go to the bar and then if I catch COVID, like not a big deal. Like there was this idea of like every individual choice that we make is, is, uh, limited to only us. Mm -hmm. And, and and as if our actions don't have, um, any effect on the people around us and the community Mm -hmm. around us. I don't know that if it's not necessarily like always based in religion, religion, it's, and and it can fall on both sides of like the political spectrum. It can both fall on any side of the moral spectrum. It's just this idea of like, Hey, like I'm going to live the way I want to live and you live the way you want to live. And then we kind of come up against that when it's like, you actually can't because it's not just about you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think also, right. And I think also like, Rugged individualism is sort of what got David and Louise Turpin to be able to pull this off. It did. Mm. You know? And they, like, they, they changed, you know, they, they moved locations. They went to remote areas th- that had a big part of it. No one was asking. You can homeschool if you want. Uh, no one's going to get involved. Um, and I think that really uh, was a big aspect to that led to the abuse. Oh. So I'm going to call it. Rugged individualism. You're getting the big slap. David and Louise Turpin, you're going to the alarmist jail. I think that's fair. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we did our best. Yeah, and we had to like really so work diff- for this. It's like, how, who, like, how can you not blame the parents? Like, you oh, have to, yeah. like, how can you not blame the parents? But <laughs> it's not just about the parents. Right. Like, there's so many other things that, like, fell by the wayside to exactly. allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for having me. Helping us. I mean, we couldn't have done it without you. We really, <laughs> we really just. I really recommend that know. Law & Order episode. <laughs> so. <laughs> I really do. Don't thank say you for having me. This was. Yeah, it has never helped you. Yeah, well, I never have said that. (laughs) That's good. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've never said that. Uh, No, this was awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. In the aftermath of their escape, according to People magazine, after leaving the House of Horrors, the seven Turpin children who were minors were placed in foster homes. The six adult children were given a court-appointed public guardian to manage their health care, nutrition, safety, housing, and education. What reportedly followed were a series of new horrors. In one of the foster homes that several Turpins lived in, children were allegedly abused over an extended period of time. 
In another home, a foster parent told one of the Turpin girls that she understands why her parents chained her up. The older siblings, who were sent out into high-violence neighborhoods with little to no life skills training, have allegedly been denied basic care from their public guardian. David Scott, an investigative reporter for ABC News, noted that these poor living conditions persisted despite the Turpin siblings receiving more than $600,000 in donations from strangers following their release. Most of the money went into an official trust overseen by the court and hidden from public oversight, Scott said. County officials refused to tell us how much has been spent or on what, but the Turpin we spoke to said those funds are hard to access. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Additional writing by Anastasia Kousakis. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing Joan of Arc. Erios. Powered by ACAST. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.